Hello, welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. So you need to be flexible when you do trail races. Um, maybe so with, with other races too, but I've especially found this to be the case with doing trail races. And this past week was a great example of being able to quickly come up with plan B when you did not anticipate making a plan B. Um, this all started, um, actually last weekend, um, that was in like the weekend before this past weekend. Um, I was, my plan was to go out and help mark the course at Hill Country State Natural Area on Wednesday, uh, in preparation for Cactus Rose that weekend. And, um, unfortunately the park manager, um, wasn't sure if we were going to be able to put on the race there because of, um, wet conditions. Um, it had rained quite a bit up here in San Antonio and in Hill Country, um, well, it'll be now two weeks ago. We pretty much had like almost a whole week of rain, but it dried out pretty well last week. Um, and, you know, so, but we weren't sure. And so we really didn't know if we were going to be able to put the race on at that place or move it to Camp Eagle, which fortunately we have a backup place because most race directors do not have that uh, benefit of uh, having a fallback place. Um, we are fortunate in that Chris McWaters has a great um, working agreement with uh, Camp Eagle, which is about an hour and a half from Bandera or an hour or so outside of Bandera. Um, and uh, equally remote and challenging. And I think it's more challenging. But anyway, um, so so we weren't really sure where we were going to end up. But very uh, late Monday, early Tuesday, um, we were given the go-ahead that, yes, the race would go on at Hill Country State Natural Area, which is the original venue. So uh, the group went out and began marking on Tuesday, spent all day marking the course, you know, putting up tape, hanging little flags from the trees and, and wherever, um, you know, pounding stakes into the ground, you know, stapling signs, you know, all of this kind of stuff that you have to do from scratch every single race. And um, I came out on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, and I was... <clears throat> partnered with Henry Hobbs, or I was his bitch, as he called it, uh, <laughs> in a joking manner. Um, yeah, so we set out and uh, began marking a, a section um, uphill from the um, start-finish. And uh, I will, <laughs> we did have one sort of minor uh, horror uh, as he was driving a stake in an area that we were trying to keep people out of. As he drove a stake, um, the swarm of like ground hornets or something came up from the ground and just stung the crap out of his um, legs and arms. I think he got like five, you know, major bites. Um, you know, of course, neither of us saw it, you know, saw it coming. And so it was, you know, it's kind of like, oh my God. You know, I mean, fortunately, he's okay. He's not allergic and um, handled it pretty well. <laughs> so, but, you know, we began marking and doing our thing. And then we got a phone. Thank God he has phone service up there because I don't. It's very remote. Um, this is one of like three of the venues I think that we, we do that you really have a hard time with, with getting phone service. And I'm not sure what his carrier is, but. <laughs> I have Verizon and Verizon does not work up there, um, or at least most of the time. Um, but anyway, he, uh, got a call from Joe Prusatis, uh, who is in charge of the trail marking, um, for Tejas trails. And, uh, he said the race is canceled. 
<laughs> Mind you, it's probably like 9, 9.30 on Wednesday morning. And fortunately, we really had not been at it very long. And um, apparently the park manager was looking at the long range forecast and there was a whopping 33% chance of rain <laughs> for Saturday. Um, to me, that seems like there is a, I can't do math right now, a 67% chance. God, did I do that right? Yeah, 67% chance that it's not going to rain. I don't know. I think this guy, and it's a guy, I think he has this issue because uh, this year when we did the Bandera Trail Race, um, which is over two days, um, we kind of got all four seasons for the course of a weekend. And this is where it rained, it sleeted, it snowed, it was insane. And um, things got kind of muddy and messed up. And um, I think this particular manager, uh, was concerned about, you know, the damage. Now, let me also give you a little piece of background on this. Um, Chris McWaters, you know, the race director is very sensitive about this kind of stuff. I mean, he, he's not like, you know, somebody that wants to go around tearing up, you know, state parkland. Um, you know, we, we try to be very respectful, um, you know, which is part of the whole trail racing scene is to be, you know, trail stewards and, you know, not really tearing stuff up. And if we do tear it up, we rebuild it. We put it back together like Humpty Dumpty. Um, in fact, they bought a bunch of grass seed and put it out um, in an area that had been kind of torn up by um, um, cars, you know, for a parking area uh, in January. And you know, so I mean, I think he's demonstrated that he's, you know, done a he's he's trying to do the right thing whenever possible. But <laughs> unfortunately, the um, the park manager didn't really see things that way and just said, nope, not having the race. Okay, so mind you, here we are, T minus, ooh, really two days before the race starts because the 150-mile runners would begin on uh, Friday morning. And so, you know, it's like barely, you know, 48 hours notice, and there we are. Um, to his credit, Joe does not get flapped. Joe is not a person who gets flapped very easily and just very stoically was like, okay, we're going to tear up, we're going to tear down the course. We're going to clean things up and then we're going to move over to Camp Eagle. And, you know, just like that. <laughs> so, and of course, meanwhile, me and Henry are kind of ruminating about it. It's like, oh my God, are we going to, you know, because at that time we didn't really even know for sure that it was going to happen at Camp Eagle because it was so short of notice that, you know, we weren't sure that, you know, they were going to be able to accommodate us. And in the end, yes, fortunately they were, I love, I love the people over there. They're, they're amazing. And, um, but the other problem for us volunteers or we volunteers is that it was also, you know, another hour or so away. And I had only committed to a day, um, to mark the course and really could not afford to, you know, pull up the course, you know, at Hill Country and then drive out to Camp Eagle and, and start over. And basically Joe was saying that they would be marking, um, you know, through the night. And I was just like, oh my gosh, no. Well, the other thing was, is that I had a, a friend coming in from out of town um, the following day. And so I really needed to kind of clean my house because I haven't really had guests over since the pandemic began. I mean, not, not, you know, or at least it's been quite a while. Um, so I knew I had that commitment as well. So it was like, okay, so, but we did, we went ahead and, um, tore down the course. Um, fortunately, Henry, knowing that I'm not great at 
I don't really like the hills and the rocks. So he kind of gave me the flatter sections to tear down. And um, so I just had, <laughs> the only problem was this, we didn't really have any bags <laughs> to put things in. So <laughs> he found a, like a reusable shopping bag in his car. And I had a, some other, you know, reusable shopping bag and a target bag <laughs> in my car <laughs> and said about, look like I was going shopping, uh, you know, through the forest. And guess um, yeah, so I, you know, went about, and he was describing, you know, I mean, basically I'd just follow the markers, but he was also giving me, you know, where to turn and things like that. And of course it's just, that place is just a big mystery to me. I'm not that, I mean, I'm familiar with it, but I'm not, you know, I am not, you know, somebody that you could like drop in there and go, okay, mark the course. Do you know where you're going? No, I have no idea. <laughs> so, and everything kind of looks alike. So you're just sort of like, okay, this is great. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I did set about and um, did did my section of teardown and pulled up stakes and you know removed um, signs and tried to organize things as best I could and then I met up with um, Henry and uh, Mark I think is his name uh, another volunteer and then we picked up Jeremy uh, one of our new volunteers um, who just moved here from Arizona um, really cool guy um, so anyway yeah so we all you know, did our thing. And then we all kind of gathered back at the equestrian, um, parking area. And, um, I think Nancy Marks and Heath Thomas and J uh, <laughs> Joyce Prusatis, Joe's wife, um, they're already taking stakes apart, you know, with the signs and, and whatnot, um, in the uh, bed of a pickup truck. And, um, so, you know, we kind of dove in and started helping with that. Well, I'm, I am, I am not your guy when it comes to taking signs apart because I can't get staples out of signs. Um, even with a screwdriver <laughs> or, you know, some sort of tools, I was just sort of like, okay, I, I, I can't do this. I don't, you know, <laughs> this is not really working. Um, cause it was taking me like a good 10 minutes to just get one staple out. And so, but I did notice that there was a ton of, um, signs just kind of strewn about. And I was like, I know what I can do. This will make everything very helpful. So I organized the signs and put them into piles according to what kind of sign they were. And, um, so it made me feel useful. Um, and then after that, we, um, you know, cause we had to pile the stakes in the truck. So you never think about these kinds of things. Uh, cause, you know, you usually just go to a race and things are there, you know, and it's just like, it's magic. Uh, this is, you know, a very rewarding yet complicated part of, of, you know, behind the scenes of doing a trail race, um, or, you know, helping set up. And, um, uh, Joyce was, Joyce asked me if I would count the, um, hang tags or, you know, the confidence markers, um, these kind of neon ribbon gadgets with like, uh, alligator clips or, uh, clothespins, uh, attached to them so they can hang them from trees, but I had to count them into um, groups of a hundred and then put them in a bag. So that way, when they would go out and mark the new course, they would know how many, you know, they had in each bag. So kind of an interesting kind of wise decision, you know, just shovel everything in. So anyway, so we did all that and then, uh, yeah. And then those guys pretty much set out for Camp Eagle. I, I, I think it was like around noon or so. So I mean, I wasn't out there especially long, maybe about four hours. And, uh, you know, planned to, you know, return on Saturday because I was going to pace my friend Sarisa. 
uh, who was doing that 150 mile race. And, um, you know, and meanwhile, okay, here's the other complicated thing. We have people who are coming in from all over the place. Um, I mean, all over the country, you know, they've booked hotels in Bandera, you know, months in advance. And a lot of times these places do not refund your money if you cancel, especially that close to cancellation. And, um, funny aside also, cause I know, well, and then Chris happened to take a very well-deserved vacation, but was in Hawaii at the time. <laughs> um, it was on his way back that day. Um, you know, so he's like out in Hawaii trying to, you know, deal with this, uh, you know, park manager situation, <laughs> still celebrate his 10th wedding anniversary, which they did manage to have a good time. Cause I, I got to talk to him a little bit about that on Saturday, but he, um, he even had told, you know, I mean, he was trying to, you know, in, in, I guess impress upon the park manager how challenging this is to, to do this to, you know, 600 people to make them, you know, suddenly pivot um, and just be expected to cheerfully do so. You know, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of pissed off people uh, and rightfully so. Um, but, th you know, the good thing about trail runners is most people are pretty chill, um, you know, because, again, we know that things do not always go the way that, that you have them planned. But you know, and again, it had, had not been for his relationship with Camp Eagle, that thing would have just been canceled and people would have lost a lot more money. So, you know, hats off to Tejas Trails and, and the people who are behind the scenes there, because they really do put on a great um, uh, event, um, you know, and they, they really do try to make everything as great as they possibly can, and they do. But one story that Chris told uh, shared with me on Saturday was he even told the, the park manager, you know, because he was trying to like, you know, make it human, like, yeah, okay, well, whatever, you know, you're you know, going to disappoint all these people. But so then he tried to use an anecdote about a woman who was severely injured in a car accident and killed her husband a year ago. And she went through rehab and she was going to do the Cactus Rose 50 miler. Um, at Hill Country State Natural Area. She'd been training, at my understanding is I think she'd been training there and was set to, you know, to run that race there in honor of her late husband. That did not move this guy. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't know this person. I don't, but, but to me, it just seems like, I don't know. I, I This is about the third time. Um, and it, this guy is not always the one who's, who's, done it. His predecessor did this to us a couple of times too. Um, you know, there, I understand protecting the integrity of the trails, but I think you also have to respect the people who are, you know, managing and planning these things to help bring money, you know, to that area. I mean, this is a big deal for the community as well. I mean, this isn't just like, you know, I mean, the people of Bandera make a ton of money, you know, restaurants, hotels, Airbnbs, ranches, um, grocery stores. I mean, you know, whatnot, you know, gas stations. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made through these races, but this guy just didn't seem to care. And I think he was just, I think he's being a little short-sighted. Okay. And maybe at some point I will try to reach out to this guy and, and talk to him about his point of view on this, because I would like to hear, you know, a little bit more from the state parks point of view, because there are some state park managers who are pretty chill about everything and they, you know, let us do our thing. There are others that, you know, if it, you know, has a hint of rain, you know, the, the park closes. Um, Government Canyon in San Antonio is, you know, one of those, though I think that they are getting a little bit better about it. But anyway, so suffice it to say, it was just a big bummer for 
you know, everybody involved, but, you know, again, I, I cannot say enough great things about the, the behind the scenes people at Tejas who very cheerfully and, you know, willingly, you know, went the extra miles to set this race up in a different venue. And I think there's something to be said for that. And, um, oh, and then on top of that, PJ, who is now an assistant race director, my buddy, um, my, my little, my little friend, he's not a little, he's, he's a young friend. He's like not even 30. Uh, I brought him to his first trail race about five years ago. And now look at him. He's all grown up. Um, but anyway, um, he, uh, had a, uh, he was dragging a trailer. Um, actually he was bringing it back from Wisconsin. I didn't realize it was coming this far. Um, cause he had picked it up from Brad Quinn who lives up in Wisconsin now and um bringing it down because i guess the last time they had used this trailer was at um one of the summer races i think um anyway suffice to say he uh he was driving the the you know pickup pickup truck with a trailer and you know thousands of pounds you know, stuff in it and it breaks down outside of san antonio on monday evening and so he had to spend the night with the truck and then finally got it repaired that's my understanding. I hope I'm not telling that story wrong, but anyway, and he was planning to drive up to Hill country state natural area, which is closer obviously, and then had to immediately, you know, shift gears literally and uh, head up to camp Eagle. So again, just lots of stuff happening, um, that, you know, a lot of people may not know. Um, <clears throat> and I know people are very supportive of the Tejas trails folks, um, and what they do. Um, and again, I didn't hear, you know, a whole lot of complaining. I know there's a lot of disappointment, but, you know, I think they realize that, you know, these folks really do try to go the extra mile. Um, ha ha. Maybe that should be their new, because <laughs> I know it's more than just trail running is their logo or their uh, motto, but maybe it should be, we go the extra mile. I don't know, maybe that's a cliche. Yes, it is. Um, anyway, so blah, blah, blah. So the race started. I mean, I think they were... <laughs> Chris told me they were marking the course until very early, probably just a couple of hours before the race started on Friday morning. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me because that place is very complicated. Um, and they set it up in such a way, it was a new course um, where runners would, you know, depending on which uh, distance they were doing, but they would run from the pavilion and then they would do a loop and they come back to the pavilion and then they'd go from the pavilion up to um, this hilltop where the windmill is. There's a windmill up there and they called that the windmill aid station. Well, from there they would go one of three routes uh, and loop back into windmill. So basically it was the same aid station. You would just keep hitting it three times and going out and doing various distances. It wasn't like you were doing the same thing. Um, let me just tell you, going up to that windmill, even in a vehicle, is pretty crazy. Um, so, <laughs> God, hats off again to those runners. And no, they didn't get to run down the hill. They had to run up it. And oh, that was crazy. Anyway, so, um, again, very little phone service up there. But um, I knew PJ was supposed to pace Sarisa on Friday night. Um, she had a rough race. Um, she got lost, I think, on her first loop. Um, and it, I think it ended up taking her like a little over eight and a half hours to finish that first 25 mile loop, which actually is pretty good. Um, in my mind, I mean, that's, that's not a bad time, but you know, you still tacked on some time from getting lost. Um, you know, and again, if you're doing 150 miles, that, you know, that's going to 
it's going to kind of count against you, but you know, physically. Um, so my plan was to come out Friday, uh, Saturday afternoon because I don't want to get there too early because um, you know I don't want to be sitting around all day because it's supposed to be kind of warm, which it was. Um, unfortunately, I got a text from PJ very well, not very early. It was it was a little before eight on Saturday, and I was kind of lounging in bed, kind of hoping to sleep in a little bit because I knew I was going to be up all night. Um, and he said that he had missed her when she came in like around twenty after three in the morning, and um, and he wondered if I wanted to come out and pace her through the day and then he would get her that night. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Fortunately, and again, one of my <laughs> anal retentive tendencies uh, when I do races is I really like to have all my gear together the night before or the day before. So I had already kind of assembled my drop bag um, and my clothes and all that other stuff. So I didn't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be scrambling at the last second because usually I can do stuff like that. But um, but anyway, uh, fortunately I was able to, you know, I was able to pivot a little bit and, um, you know, change my, my plan. So unfortunately it took me a little while to kind of get myself out of the house. Um, but I, um, got there, um, probably around noon and, um, kind of hung out for a little bit. And then PJ came down, had come down, he was driving the, uh, it's like this four wheeler kind of thing, ATV. And, um, so he's like, uh, I haven't seen her yet. Her husband is up there waiting for her. Um, do you want to go up to the windmill? And I'm like, yeah, because that was kind of my plan anyway, was just to kind of go up and hang out at the windmill um, aid station because I knew she'd be coming through one of the three ways. And he said he had, oh, I know, he said he had seen her at 930 that morning. And here it was, it was like almost 1230 and she still hadn't come back. And so it was like, oh gosh, you know, and that's, it was only like about a five and a half mile loop or something. But again, Camp Eagle is hell, you know, it's, well, for those of us who are used to running on kind of nice, softer, non-technical trails, um, some people love that stuff. Um, so anyway, we get up there and I met her husband. I think I've met him before, but anyway, we got talking and he had done the rock the day before and had kind of a rough day and he was planning to, you know, go with her through the day. And I'm like, no, don't worry about it. I'll go. But she still hadn't come through. And then I don't know, about 15 minutes later, we see this figure heading up the, the way into the uh, aid station. And it was Sarisa. And he just took one look at her and he's like, she's done. And she's never DNF to race. And I'm like, oh God. And I wasn't surprised, you know, because I just had a, I had a bad feeling because it had taken her 12 and a half hours, I think, on her second loop, which is really long. I mean, you get, I think, 60 hours to finish the thing, the 150, but that's giving you what, like 10 hours per loop, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so if you're going beyond that, you know, that's, that's, you're not going to make up that time. It's, it's going to be hard, but she, she's very tough. She's probably one of the most mentally tough people I've ever met. And, um, but she's been training barefoot and, um, I don't know if she's, tr uh, practiced much on the technical stuff. So I think, I don't know, I don't think it was the right kind of training for this particular sort of race. And, um, and she knew it and he knew it, you know, her husband knew it and, and she just came in and she was just, I, I ran up and gave her a hug and she talked to her husband for a little bit and PJ and I gave them some space. And so I immediately, you know, set about to, um, you know, 
I gave her my stash of cucumbers that I had chopped up the night before with some lime and uh, had a cold um, sparkling water, um, grape flavored Waterloo, my new favorite. Henry had turned me on to that and, uh, the other day and oh my God, I can't drink enough of that now. Um, but anyway, the, um, so yeah, she was done. She dropped and, um, you know, we parted ways and, uh, I ended up hanging out at the, uh, finish line for a while. And I don't know, I just, I wasn't really, I wasn't really planning on spending the day volunteering. I was planning to, you know, pace her. That was my job. And, and so I don't know, probably like around four or five, <clears throat> I decided, you know, I kind of like getting back before dark because there's a section out on I-10, um, east of there that's, that's under construction and it's kind of tough driving and I didn't want to be doing that in the dark. So I just, I, you know, begged off and, uh, you know, went home. But I think this whole thing just kind of showed that, you know, we just, you know, PJ was kind of looking forward to a run. I was looking forward to a, a nice hike. <laughs> Although in retrospect, looking at the course, I'm not sure I really would have had much fun because it was really hot and um, bright sun, no clouds. And it was just, I mean, sounds ideal if you were at the beach, but not if you're doing a trail race. Um, so I think in retrospect, it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Um, but again, I think this whole thing is just, I think it, it just reminded me of, of my days when I was a reporter and, you know, some days you would go into work, you know, at 10 and come out at five or six. And then other days you'd come in at 10 and you wouldn't get out until midnight or later, um, just depending on what was thrown your way. And, uh, so I think that's, um, a coping skill that I've got that I think is, is an asset, um, in, in this kind of uh, scenario. So anyway, for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, that's, and, uh, then my, my, the rest of my friends, they were out doing taco loco, um, down in the, um, South of San Antonio, which is a, a race put on by a competitor. Um, <clears throat> that race just incidentally, um, was supposed to have like, like a 15 and a half mile loop and it was 11 and a half. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, I'm not going to comment any further on that, but let's just say people who went out to do, you know, 25K, 50K, 100K, unless they went back out and got that spare four miles per loop, ended up with a very long training run. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's that. What's next? Um, really don't have any, oh, I've got the recharge, recharge run at Government Canyon, uh, a week from Saturday. So, uh, <laughs> talk, talk about another place with boulders and all kinds of stuff. Holy crap. Um, but I like that one cause it supports the friends of government Canyon. Uh, again, one of our state parks and it's, you know, in my backyard practically. And, um, well <laughs> about 30 minutes away, but nonetheless, it's nice to have a state park close. Um, and then the following day, uh, my friend Jessica and I are heading out to Marble Falls and, um, we are going to volunteer with Brad Quinn and PJ uh, at the Trivium, which is the one trail race. It's not a trail race. It's the one Teos Trails puts on. That's a road race, um, but it's very hilly. I've never run it, and I'm glad I don't because I just I would rather volunteer because it's really hilly. But I think they've got oh varying distances. I think anything from five or ten k up through a fifty k. So. Yeah. And that one's always fun. It, and it's, you know, I love Marble Falls. It's one of my favorite, you know, small mid-sized towns, uh, in you know, this region. So lots of money up there. Um, 
but anyway, so there's that. And then of course I have my 25 K at wild hair right before Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how this all goes. I, I really do need to, since I didn't get a long hike, walk, whatever, um, in this weekend, I did end up going up to Friedrich park, which is one of my favorites. It's very challenging. Um, did like about four and a half yesterday, but I did a, a fair amount of Hills, um, and a couple of repeats. So, um, Anyway, so I did that and, you know, my quads are sore today. So, yay, I felt that. Um, But yeah, so I guess the message of today's podcast is be flexible, try to be cool. There's always something around the bend that may work out to your favor. Um, You just may not see it that way at first. So I think we can apply this to daily life as well. So um, with that, that is all I've got for now. I will see you next time.